these are exciting days in Dallas. Once again, we have a team with the possibility of advancing in the playoffs. It's a scary thought, I know. And boy, don't you just feel your heart churning? Yes, it's true, it's not the Cowboys, and it's true, they're not close. It's also true, the Stars got close and couldn't quite get over the hump. Maybe this is the night tonight when the Stars will all align themselves in the heavens as if they care about basketball. And then the Mavericks will somehow manage not to trip over themselves, and perhaps the Spurs will hook up the, those folks from San Antonio, and they'll trip everywhere. Not that I'm wishing them any bad luck, just enough to let the Mavericks win. <laughs> because that just makes my heart get excited, because I like sports. And I, you know the really the thing I like about sports? I like it when my team wins, <laughs> Right? I mean, when our teams win or they get close to winning, then we get excited and we get loud and we get raucous and man, we'll spend money to buy that ticket and set up in the nosebleed session just so nobody can hear our voice. And so we can be completely uncomfortable rather than stay at home on our couch and watch it all up close for free. <laughs> but we will pay our money to go and see it and we will holler and cheer as if they could actually hear us. We get so excited, and our hearts light up, just like church on Sunday morning, right? Yeah. In this house, that's right, right? So if you're, it's right, that's right, that is right. So if you're visiting with us today and you think we're acting a little strange, come back. We'll be strange again next week. We will, because we don't want our hearts just to burn for sports or birthday parties. We don't want our hearts just to burn because we got a new house or a new car. We don't want our hearts to burn because we got a promotion. We want our hearts to burn, get on fire because of this. Because we feel just how much God loves us. Now, it's not always been that way. It's not always been that way. In fact, Jesus came, he spent his life among us and Toward the end, he, he made the supreme sacrifice, and he had been trying to teach those knuckleheads while he was here what was going to happen, but, you know, they just couldn't get it because, after all, it's a pretty hard story to get, right? I mean, it's not an easy story. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm third day, I'm going to be lifted up again. What? What? You're going to be what? Lifted up? What does that mean? What do you mean? You're going to send somebody back to us? What do you mean? We want you to be the Messiah, just like it says in the scriptures that we have mistakenly understood. Sound familiar? So he died. And they went to that tomb and it was empty. And they came back and told them. And they told them about a vision of some angels. And they thought it over. And two of them said, okay, back to Emmaus. Same old, same old. No Messiah, false alarm. That's what they're thinking. It isn't going to happen. It seems so close. We took of that bread and those fishes on the mountain. We saw the blind see. We heard his words that were words like from no other. We were excited. The Messiah had come. Israel would be lifted up. Our team was about to win. Again, 
and we're excited. Our hearts are on fire. But now, now he's dead. Yeah, I know the women had some foolish ideas, but he's dead. And so two of them took off to go back home. What else is there to do? Back to the mundane. Back to the hopelessness. Seemingly so at this point. Of hope that was unfulfilled. While on that journey, believing that it was over again, believing that their earthly struggles were not going to change, believing that following the Messiah was still their task, they just still had not seen him, believing that even though they had risked their lives for something they believed worth risking their lives for, now those hopes and dreams were shattered. Now they had to return home with the idea that Messiah was yet to still come. Spiritually, physically, depleted. While they were on this poor PDS journey, the kind of journey that perhaps you might be on this morning, maybe you're having a little bit of poor pitiful me. My hopes and my dreams have been shattered. I thought Jesus was going to heal my loved one. I thought... I was going to get that promotion because I've been so faithful in praying to God and following God. I believe that God had something exciting in store for me, and I thought it was that. But once again, I didn't get the job. I thought that when I prayed for my adult children who were so far from home that by now, all these years, they would have heard those prayers and they would have returned to the church where I raised them. And yet it seems like my prayers are just not finding it. I thought those confirmation kids were getting it. Where are those confirmation kids? Stand up out there. There's a dozen of you. Stand up. Let me see all of you. Stand up. There they are. Yeah. Stand up. That's right. We have been pouring it into them now for several weeks, keeping it upon them on top of what they've been learning for several years from the teaching of the different people in this church. Soon coming to that climactic moment when they will decide, am I ready? Am I ready to follow Jesus on my own? I don't have to be begged, pushed, or cajoled anymore. Am I ready to say yes to Jesus and make my own profession of faith, not because someone begs me, not because I've been to confirmation class, but because my heart is warm. Or maybe they're not really paying attention. Maybe we're going to have to talk to them some more. More on that in a couple of weeks. These disciples then were joined by a stranger, someone they did not recognize. It was Jesus, you know, just kind of taking a little walk after resurrecting from the dead. <laughs> Thought he'd show up because these people are slow learners. You know, he's already showed up a time or two. He sent angels to tell them. He's been making appearances. He's given them the opportunity. 
But so far, it's just not clicking. So he's got to show up some more. So here he shows up. What's wrong with you? And then they stood still, the text says in verse 17. What's wrong with y'all? What happened? And the two disciples stood still and looked at him like, you must be a Samaritan or some other ignoramus. You don't know? You don't know? And then they told him. You heard J.D. read it. We thought he was a Messiah. We thought our time had come. And he died. And we heard that the tomb was empty, so we don't even know where they took his body. Because after all, as I look across my earthly journey, these two disciples told this stranger, when I looked horizontally at my life and I looked earthward, it appeared that all that I could see was death. Sometimes we're just like that, aren't we? All we can see is what's in the road in front of us that's earthly, that's of dust, that's of material things, that's of life here on this earth. Sometimes we get bound up in the things of this world and our focus gets so earthly minded that we forget there is a vertical dimension that is trying to intersect our horizontal lives. And that vertical dimension is the very word and truth of God coming down to make the meaningless meaningful, to make the purposeless purposeful. It is coming to make the blind see. It is coming to offer, offer the opportunity to every ignoramus that they don't have to be an ignoramus. It is coming for me and for you. And so Jesus, without prompting, said, oh, that's exactly what he said. Oh, foolish men and women. I'm going to add that women part. It is a generic term. Slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to die? And then he went on to tell them about all the things they needed to understand. He opened, opened the scriptures for them so that they could understand them. And then they got to the place where the journey was about to end. And here, here it gets scary a little bit right here. This is where the scary part comes. It comes for me and you too at this point. He acted like he was going to go on. They were free to say goodbye turn their backs on the stranger and to walk away. To wonder where he got his information or to think it was just kind of too much to believe and just refuse to open up their hearts and their minds to the words of this stranger. Jesus was about to walk on away. That's scary, isn't it? scary and what happened next is oh so very important it is all about what we're doing here today 
It was all about what Jesus was doing there and what he would continue to do. He gave them the freedom, just like we'll give every confirmand individually, the freedom to say yes and offer, offer them Jesus the invitation to come into their hearts or just walk away. And they chose to say, don't go on. Come in and join us. Now here's where the heart thing starts. Once they offered the invitation to Jesus to come on in, Jesus came on in, sat down at the table with him and broke the bread, and then the light came on. Then the stranger was not a stranger anymore. Then the one they had been hearing about was the one in their presence. Then the impossible became possible. Then all that story and all that stuff about the Messiah was true again. Then the women weren't so silly. Then that guy wasn't such an ignoramus. Then it's all different. And Jesus disappeared. Boom, just like that. You know who I am? I'm gone. You got what you're going to get. Now what? Now what are they going to do? Now that Jesus had reached out and touched their lives, just like these handprints, laid his hand upon them in the spiritual resurrected person that he was, now they had the chance, though otherwise there is no mention of Luke of any hearts burning yet, right? Nothing had happened. As long as those guys were living on the horizontal plane of earthly living, nothing was happening. Even though God had come to them, nothing was happening until they offered the invitation for you to come in and dine with us. Hospitality, offering Jesus a place in their lives. That's all it took. Simple as falling off a log, I like to say. Almost anybody can become a Christian if they just got enough sense to say, Jesus, come on in. And Jesus did. And he revealed himself to them, and then the vertical was made clear. Now they're saying, weren't our hearts burning as we were hearing the story along the road? No. They really weren't. They're like, maybe one or two of you today, let's check out over on the youth side. Are y'all awake over there? Y'all awake? Okay, good. So I don't have to worry about you being awake to hear. Because sometimes Jesus comes and we don't offer any invitation to hear we don't experience a burning heart because we have not invited Christ's entrance into our hearts and minds that God gave us. You see, we can reject God. That's what Methodists believe. That's a good Wesleyan principle of theology. We don't believe in irresistible grace. We believe in free will. We believe God loved us so much he gave us a choice. We believe that God won't force himself on anybody. Now, he came pretty close to Paul. I mean, you know. If you're walking down away from here today and you're on the way to your car and all of a sudden there's a lightning bolt and you get struck and you're not dead, but you can't see and God speaks to you, there's a good chance you'll believe at that point. Now, if you hadn't been converted, there's a good chance you'll change your mind right then, right there, and you'll but you know, that's strong persuasion. But even then, Paul could have said no. I mean, he'd have to be really stupid, but he could have. But most of us don't get the lightning bolt. Most of us have the opportunity to open our hearts and our minds and to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to believe in you. Now, the Holy Spirit is pouring out himself to us constantly. Not every now and then, constantly. 
You say, well, why don't I get more of the Spirit? Do, you, do I have to make that answer to that question now? Do you get it? The Holy Spirit is constantly pouring himself out to you, but if you keep saying, no, I don't have room for you, you keep turning your back on the teachings of the Scripture, if you keep reading the book and ignoring what it says, if you keep on saying, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, that's the most important thing, you know, everything else is kind of third, fourth, and not that important, i got a life to live here horizontally. Don't be messing with me vertically. Don't be trying to mess up my comfortable life. I like living the way I live. I'm going to be a Christian in high school, but I'm going to be kind of on the down low. I don't want to be too vocal. Somebody might be checking out my life. They might call my pastor or something when I'm doing something I oughtn't to be doing. Ooh, that would be exciting. <laughs> that another Christian would see you and know at least you went to church and called me. That would excite me. Now, if he's telling me you were acting like, uh, well, let's not talk about that. But if he did, I'd at least be glad to know. And I'd be glad they knew you were a Christian. That would say something, right? Yeah, to give me a reason to visit you. And you would have an opportunity to say no to me. Get away, preacher. I don't have time for you. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. Like the person in the 14th row in the third seat who's there every Sunday. You're counting rows now, aren't you? <laughs> Nothing personal. Don't take it personally. Uh, well, go ahead and take it personal. Make it fit any house in the sanctuary. I don't know. It's a bad plan. I've told God over. It's a bad plan. If you give us ignoramuses, I'm using that word a lot this morning, aren't I? My wife is going to really chew me out about that. Because none of us like to think that we're not smart. We're all wise and smart. But are we smart enough to regularly, daily open our minds to God's direction? To open our hearts to feel what God wants us to feel? Are we that wise? Or are we just horizontally wise? If we're vertically wise, every day is an opportunity to hear God speak to us. And tell us truth. Every day is an opportunity for us to witness to somebody to come to church. Now you say, well, when are you going to think we're wise, preacher? I'm going to think you're wise, really wise. And I'm going to think your hearts are really on fire. Not just because you say they are, because I want to believe they're really on fire. When I look out over here and I'm worried because there's not a place to sit for another person in Carrollton to get in this house on Sunday morning. Because I don't believe, as talented as you folks are, that you could possibly be filled up with getting in touch every moment with Jesus, and as talented as you are in every other way in life, can't fill up these seats in this house. You say, you're making us feel guilty. Good. I want to. I want to make every Christian feel guilty today. I just don't get a chance to preach to the rest of them. Not so guilty that they go, oh, it's me, but so guilty that they go, oh, oh, I get it. I really need to tell somebody about the Jesus who just warmed my heart. That's what these two men did, right? Jesus disappeared. They looked at one another and they said, ah, our hearts were burning, right? Right there, actually, their hearts were burning then. But they want to convince themselves they were clued in before. They really weren't. But they want to convince themselves now they're in. That works. Because what they do is they get right up and they run back to tell the other disciples what happened. 
That's a warm heart. That's a heart that's on fire. Don't tell me you're on fire and you can't speak a word in Jesus' name. That's right, isn't it, Matt? Yep, see? His heart's on fire for evangelism. See, I don't understand why everybody's heart's not on fire for evangelism. And some of you are thinking, uh, Galatians 5.22, my gift is not being an evangelist. John 3.16, God came to save everybody, and we're all enlisted, brothers and sisters. You don't need the gift of being an evangelist to tell the story. A woman came to my office just last week to tell me the ways that she's been spreading the story about a great organization for this preacher to look into, which I'm going to do. You see, there are organizations everywhere that are trying to organize all of us Christians so that we'll run tell somebody about the fire in our heart. Where's the fire? Where's the fire? Where's the fire? Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxiously on fire. I'm talking about being on fire with love so you're smart about it. You know, you're the smartest people I know. Smartest people I know go to church. Well, they make a lot of money. They build fine homes. They run big businesses. They, they change the world in lots of ways. I just need you to be that smart about your faith. That's all I'm asking. I'm asking you to be on fire. Here's the part of the sermon I've been looking forward to. I told the staff members about it. And I'm way over time today. But I didn't get to preach long last week. And I'm going on retreat right after this for three days. I'm taking all the staff with me. So if y'all calling, you're going to get a volunteer. So I just don't really care. I got between now and 3 o'clock to change. I'm looking for a volunteer. I'm deciding who's going to volunteer. Let's see. Y'all are all too old. Everybody's starting to look the other way for some reason. <laughs> why, why would that be that way? How many people do you know in this congregation? I don't know you at all. What's your name, young man? Josh. Josh, my name's Doug. Nice to meet you. Glad you're here today. You been here before? Mm -hmm. Are you embarrassed easily? You can tell me the truth. It's okay. Some. Okay, I'm not going to pick on you. I'm glad you're here, though. You don't embarrass easily. Get up. What's your name? What's your name? Cameron. Cameron, come on. Cameron's volunteering. Now, just what if I told you, where are you, Cameron? There you are. What if I told you that this young man, Cameron, did not know Jesus? Would you be on fire? You'd be surprised, okay? But if I told you that he was, would you want to do something to help him? Would your heart be on burning a little bit, worried about him? Would you be having trouble sleeping if you didn't know what was going on with Cameron's heart? You would, wouldn't you? We're going to take a little walk. This is, yeah, this is a long session, Cameron. This is a long sermon illustration. You were hoping for that, he said. Just what he's looking forward to. Let's see. We're going to walk way down here. Now, that was your mama I was talking to, right? Yep. Yeah. She's worried about you being saved. You're not his mama. No, I'm not. But you do know him. I do. If you knew that he wasn't a believer, would you be bothered by that? Would your heart be on fire? Yeah. Would you be trying to follow him around and pester him until he became a believer? Pester's going a little too far, okay. But you would be having trouble sleeping, right? You would. Who doesn't know Cameron in here? You don't know him? You don't know him at all? Do you really care if he's on fire for Jesus or not? You do? 
but you don't know him. But you still are worried about him? So if he wasn't a believer, would you do almost anything to get him to believe that you could do? You know, you're exactly what I'm looking for. Cameron, that young man saved another person from making this walk a lot of trouble. So you can go back to your seat now. Because if he had had the right answer, I'd have him keep looking until somebody that didn't know Cameron would have their heart on fire. Because there are a lot of somebodies out there that we don't know. And nobody else knows them. And a lot of times, we think we're free to not care about them. That's not true. That is not true. Outside the doors of this church are a whole lots of folks that need to come inside the doors of this church. And if not here, inside another church. And the only way that's going to happen, if we just free up our hands to start touching their lives, if we start telling them about the story, because our hearts are on fire, they will see the difference. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the radical crazy guy that goes on the street corner and starts preaching the sermon. I don't do that. Uh, I've considered it, but it just doesn't work. But I am the kind of radical guy who will use golf, hunting, or fishing, or a good show, or a story, or a party, or anything else to talk to somebody about Jesus. That's the kind of radical guy I am. At the right moment, I'll depend upon God to give me the right words to change their life. When that happens and a church gets on fire like that, when the word of God is so real to them that they can't say no, when they are looking for opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus and not worried about whether they'll say it right or not, because after all, the Holy Spirit's going to give them the word, then the world is about to be changed. But until that time comes, guess what? The church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America will continue to decline. The reason it grew to this way it did is because people were so on fire that they would get on the back of a horse and ride night and day and preach to every settlement in every corner of the country. We called them circuit riders. And they would tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them would get into fights. Some of them would be running from Indians. Some of them would die at a very young age. But the salvation of everybody else was so important that it was the first thing on their hearts and minds. I have really belabored this point this morning. Some of you said, Preacher, you've done this before. I know, but they're still seeds empty. Is that fairly clear? Can we go to communion now? Because you see, what I'm going to ask God to do for you is when you come down here and you nail and you bring your gift to help some person who's less fortunate than you, and you put it on the altar and you say to them, Come on, JD and Chiv. And you say to them, this is the body and blood of Christ. I want you to know, whoever you are and wherever you are, God is here to offer to you his grace. God is here in these elements to remind you that he thought you were so important that he would die for you. And he wants you to feel that way about everybody else. Everybody else.